missed that one. Twenty nice, baby. You got twenty bucks. You know, I mean, not kind of what happened on the first table. Yeah, thanks for clarifying that. You know, I'm down too, Michael. Right? Yeah. What'd you lose? I don't know what I dropped. Let's see. I dropped probably thirty-five. Or don't give me that shit. You know exactly what you lost. What'd you drop? Twenty. All right. But I was down at least fifty. I'm sorry. I got lucky on the crap table. All right. You shouldn't be sorry. You're a winner. I'm the fucking loser. I'm the one who should be sorry. Baby, don't talk that way. Can we just go, please? Can we go. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. And you know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's oh, who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking ass. All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one. There you two are. I walked around for an hour with stupid scotch in my tread. Yeah, you got knocked out pretty fast. Oh, a couple of high rollers like yourself. You believe it? I'll go get you that stuff. You know, forget about it. I didn't even want it. I just wanted to order it. Well, can I get you something else? I mean, you really shouldn't leave here without getting something for free. Why ruin a perfect night? Listen, um, bring a single malted uh, Glengarry for me and one for my boy Mikey here. And if you tell the bartender to go easy on the water, then this 50-cent piece has your name written all over it, okay? I want you to run along because I'll be timing you. I'm going to keep time. One. Two, three, four. What an asshole. Baby, that was money. Tell me that wasn't money. That was so demeaning. She smiled, baby. I can't believe what an asshole you are. No, no, baby, she smiled. I can't. I, she was smiling what an asshole No, 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 no. She was smiling at how money I was. What I did with her. Could we get out of here all right? Because I'm not going to pay for a Mike, what the hell do you want to get out of here for? The honey baby's bringing us a cocktail. What are you, now? nuts? You think she's coming back here? Baby, I know she's coming back here. Did you even hear what she said? You shouldn't leave without getting something for free. Baby, she wants to party. She wants to. I'm tired. We should just go. Baby, this is what we came here for. Now, we met a beautiful baby, and she likes you. She likes you. Whatever. Daddy's going to get her to bring a friend. Now, I don't care if I end up with her, but one of her beautiful baby friends. I've been, I've been out of the game for so long, man. It's been like six years. Mike, listen, it's hard. I know. I've been there myself. I mean, not for six years or anything, but I've been there. The best thing you can do is just get back out there. It's just, I, I'm not attracted to them. I keep thinking of my girlfriend, and, and then I'm trying to, like, maintain a conversation with them. Oh, I, Mike, do you even think I know what the hell they're saying to me half the time? I don't know if they're talking about how hard it is to be adopted or how their dad can't show them affection. All I do, man, is stare at their mouth and wrinkle my eyebrows, and somehow I turn out to be a big sweetie, okay? I take this girl here, right? She's a waitress in Las Vegas, okay? But I bet somewhere inside of her, there is a very, very special dream. And no matter how hard I try, I won't... Hey, there she is, the most special lady in town, right? Yep. What time do you get off, uh, Christy? Six. Six o'clock, great. still easy on the water. Fantastic. Uh, listen, why don't you call a friend and have her meet the, uh, three of us at the Bamboo Lounge at 6.01? You got it. All right?
Surrounded by Movie Podcast. Three men will risk it all to try to stand out from the herd. It's the Cinema 9 Podcast. With your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. Papa Giorgio Webster. That's right. That was a TV show. And it's featured Alex Karras. So if you love Alex Karras, the Detroit Lions of the 1950s, you'll love Webster. All right. Emmanuel Lewis is still alive. True or false? No shit. False. No, I'm asking you. He can't you. be alive. He was oh, like he so is. small in yes, the he 80s. Is. He can't be alive. He's got to be dead. He is still alive. Very much Holy so. Shit. Yes. Wow. I looked this up recently. Um, anyways, we have a special guest today. There's no Travis. Travis, we wish you well, brother. We know uh, you've had a... You know, losing a pet is a very painful experience for anyone. So anybody who understands that out there, Travis lost a dog very, very dear to him for many, many years. So we wish you well, Travis. I don't know if you're here watching the show or not, but we have a special guest today for Swingers. And the special guest is Christopher Deary of the Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. Welcome in, Deary. Cinema 9 and Palazzo are combining forces coming together for Swingers. Does it hold up or not? I am so excited to be on this pod. I've been watching so many movies in the last 18 months, and it's mainly because of your guys and your amazing podcast. So I've been plowing through movies this year. I've watched 34 movies since January 1st. Every night, 10 o'clock, I pop a movie on in the background while I got my video games going. Sometimes I'll go two or three movies in a night. So I'm so excited to come on tonight and talk about Swingers. Wow. Wow. Uh, We're very happy to have you on as a guest. Now, Chris is no stranger to podcasting. He does host the Palazzo podcast with my esteemed co-host, Michael Govier. And, okay, Chris, I just wanted to take this opportunity to publicly thank you. Uh, You were recently on Mike's other podcast, the First Day podcast, where you were open and honest about uh, a gambling addiction problem. And uh, as you know, that episode really helped me in my own personal life and my struggles with anxiety and depression. And I decided that it was time for me to go talk to someone. And I've been talking to someone for the past few weeks, and it's already been an enormous help for me uh, in terms of my mental health. So I want to thank you for your courage, your bravery, your honesty in that episode, and for just inspiring me and also just the overall concept of mental health stigma and, and everything therein attached to that uh, and that it's okay to speak out and be honest about how you're feeling and no one's going to judge you and it's all for the better so thanks a lot and welcome to the show that that's that's absolutely beautiful i'm glad that uh you know in, in any way that that uh episode i did with mike on the first day pod could be a help to anybody out there releasing some of that stigma behind mental health you know going to therapy and gamblers anonymous was absolutely huge for me and it's really changed my life and you know it's been since december 1st 2020 that i had my last bet so Woo! all right there it is for a double one <laughs> isn't he Maybe was that awkward anyways 
Uh, <laughs> awkward. That was great stuff, man. I am impressed, Eric. Way to go. I like what I'm hearing from you. And Deary is the impetus. The magic behind it all starts with Christopher Deary, who is our guest today. And we're going to talk about swingers, these two guys behind me, these two jokers. Does it hold <laughs> up or not? We're going to find out. That's what we do on this show every time we do an episode. And that's why you love the Cinema 9 podcast. We are really heating up on YouTube. Our subscriber rate is skyrocketing. We want to thank yeah, all of you guys. That for subscribing and hooking us up, being a part of the channel. All of our episodes are here. Anytime you want to watch them on the YouTube channel, Cinnamon 9 Pod. And Eric, you're doing great work. You're really reaching out and connecting with a lot of people on YouTube. It turns out there's a lot of people on YouTube that like movies. It's so much fun to uh, interact with the community. I mean, there's so many channels out there, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, but the more the merrier, man. It's, it's Competition aside, the more people that are just out there and being open and honest about what to watch. I'm all for it, dude. So thanks for all the new subscribers and check us out. Make your own decision. If you want to hit that subscribe button, it's all up to you. I, I assure you our content is fun though. Beep, boop, 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 beep. Deary, you're a big fan of the show. You've always been supportive of cinema nine podcast. Uh, what was your favorite episode? Do you have one? Oh man, that's 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 really difficult. I like when you guys have Luke on. I uh, check back into Blood Diner. Oh, uh, oh yeah, that oh, he was God. on when Mike was gone. I was listening to that this afternoon. And, oh man, Luke goes full bore when he's on, so that's fun. I don't know if I have a favorite episode. I mean, it's usually transcended. It's usually it's so attached to what movie you guys are doing. And if it's a movie I haven't seen, I'll try to reach out and find that movie. But I mean, every episode is an absolute banger, and I really, really enjoy the content <laughs> you guys put out. <laughs> Thank you. Reach out and find it. All right. So that's cool. Deary, why do you love movies? Is there a reason? I mean, oh. you don't seem like a guy to me that would love movies. I've always found it fascinating. <laughs> I love you. You're we share the same birthday. We're dear friends, but you Sports. just don't seem like a hardcore movie guy, but yet you are. I don't know why that is. I just I don't know why that is. So tell yeah, me why you know, I'm stupid. Growing up, I went to the movies so much with with my dad and my my two older brothers. I remember the first boobs I ever saw was European oh Vacation when I was five years old. My dad oh, yeah. uh, dragged yeah. us along to the movies yep. right before we all had to go to a dentist appointment, and that totally <laughs> blew me away. But all through high school, I mean, my parents are huge movie watchers, and every Friday they would go out to the movies. They go to that AMC over in Livonia, and I would go with them every Friday oh. before I would go out with and my Haggerty friends. Road. You name it, we saw it all the way through the 90s. And, you know, I had a, a massive VHS and DVD collection. I would say there's probably a good 10 years where I wasn't really checking in on movies as much as I was. But these last couple of years, mainly to your guys, pod has really given me, mm. you know, the push to get back out there and watching a ton of movies. So my goal when January 1 hit this year is I want to watch a thousand movies this year. Oh, my God. A thousand <laughs> movies. Maybe we sit at like reasonable. 500. I'm checking in on stuff I've never seen before, wow. you know, things that I, I, I've seen before, and it's been a long time. But, I mean, we're 34 movies in, and it's been 20 days. So I'm probably not going to hit a thousand, maybe 500. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I brought, I brought the second TV from the basement up right around Christmas time when I went on vacation. And that thing is still upstairs because Christina's like, let's just keep it upstairs. You can watch your video game. You can play your video games and watch movies at the same time. So I've been going Holy full shit. bore here for, for quite some time watching movies. You're watching like two, three movies at a time. You're like fucking Howard Hughes and locked in your room, like peeing <laughs> in empty Mountain Dew bottles. I'm into it. I mean, some movies I start and like five minutes in, I'm like, yeah, this is trash. I'll turn it off. And sometimes I'll plow through and watch a trash movie too. What, uh, Chris, <laughs> may I ask, maybe 
Give me maybe a top three of all time, just so we know where we stand here. Top three movies of all time? Wow. Well, yeah. That's really difficult. I mean, I, I guess I'd probably have to say, like, movies that I've seen the most, and that's probably, you know, any Scorsese movie. You know, I've seen Goodfellas a million times. Die Hard is my favorite action movie of all time, which, Eric, I'm so surprised that you had never seen Die Hard never seen like, it. earlier this year or maybe last year. Like, I grew up on that movie. Um it was one of my favorite. Obviously, like the comedies from the '90s were huge. Farley, Sandler stuff, stuff like mm -hmm. that. But uh, you know, I, I'm trying to go deeper into the catalog and you know start checking out some of these directors that I had never seen before. I just watched a uh, Blowout a couple months ago oh, from De Palma. Never seen oh, that one, and I yeah. and I'm not like a so huge good. Travolta fan, but man, that was such an interesting film. Awesome. And then yeah. Eric, you mentioned last year uh, the movie Thief. The Michael Mann movie. Oh, I watched oh that last God. year. That blew my mind too. So like Fucking really amazing. expanding the horizon that. here. Chris, we're going to introduce you to a lot of movies that came out before 1988 that you are not going to believe how good they are. So uh, watch out for these recommendations. <laughs> In a world where you cannot believe how good movies were before 1988. <laughs> Very exciting. Right. Wow, dear, I'm impressed, man. I'll tell you what. A thousand movies ain't no joke. And Jesus. we'll find out later in this episode. Deary Selection, 1996 Swingers. Does it hold up or not? You, me, and Dupree. We'll all find out That's together. True. Have you ever seen you, yes. me, and Dupree, Deary? No. Oh is that an Owen Wilson vehicle? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> never, never, never saw that one. No one did. Yeah, it's terrible. I, did, I watched a couple years ago. It's got awful. I think the pandemic and COVID have also ramped up a lot of people's interest and in, or maybe just boredom it's the opposite of that they just started watching more movies because they had more time on their hands i think if anything movies became more popular of course tv shows any kind of yeah. digital you know filmmaking type of creative content that you see on a screen right is just more common than it's ever been before because that's what people were doing and they're kind of stuck at home still half the time yeah and all joking aside like there's just so much new content coming out that it is hard to just stop and go back to uh, check out stuff that came, you know, uh, maybe before you were around and on the scene and started to get into movies. But I, I'd encourage anyone to maybe we could get like a, a some kind of list of like recommendations before like so and so year because there's just there's so much out there. But where do you go? I mean, with all these streaming services, I I, I need to cancel like five trials right now. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta keep a whiteboard of all the trials. You really do, now. man. You really do. Stream picks. Yeah, it, it's fuck? that fucking Zach Galifianakis gif. All these numbers and shit are. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. I, I think like uh, the big change we've seen here in the last few years with all these streaming things is just like all these like mini series that are coming out that like you don't even know of. Like a couple weeks ago, my wife and I watched this Nicole Kidman and uh, Hugh Grant thing, The Undoing, that was on HBO Max. Six episodes. What? We just plowed through it in a day. Never even heard of it. Yeah, well, exactly. Either had I. It, it was so it was weird. decent. It was compelling. They got this uh, new Pam and Tommy thing coming out, man. I'm going to watch <laughs> yeah. that. I'm definitely yeah. going to watch yeah. that. It, yeah. Sebastian Stan as fucking Tommy Lee. He's pretty fucking good, dude. He looks just he like him in that in the, he really uh, does. Uh, short trailer I saw. Stanikin. I'm not a fan of the Stanikin, dude. Wow. <laughs> Marvel people would be pissed right now, but we'll I let know. it slide. I only said that because uh, Travis isn't on the show tonight. <laughs> I love you, Travis. Oh, what, what did Luke call it in the Blood Diner episode? Dr. Time? Dr. Strange? Dr. Time? <laughs> Come on, dude. Do your homework at least. Dr. Time and the Dr. multiverse time. of garbage. Yeah. Uh, no, I'll tell you what. 
there's a lot of movies we need to see. And, of course, that's why we do quarantine viewing picks. So oh, we yeah. can share with you what we've been watching and recommend some movies. And we hope that Deary will do that today. He knows how this show works, so I'm sure he's prepared. Don't forget Cinema 9 Pod, five stars on Apple Podcasts. And you can rate us on Spotify. In fact, we've had a bunch of ratings on Spotify recently. So you guys are actually paying oh. attention and listening to this. So thank you for doing that. That makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel like maybe we're doing something right here. And that's a good thing. So having said all that, I also want to recommend our YouTube channel where you can watch all of our shows. And I, I, dear, I really struggled on this one because I, so I started another YouTube channel that's just me. <laughs> so it's, it's so ridiculous. I don't know if you're supposed to have like 80,000 channels or just one channel for all of your stuff. It's very complicated to figure this out. But I started another one. It's just MJ Govier. And I started this playlist, Eric, and it's called Govier's Favorite Movie Quotes. Govier's Gold. Like, yeah, Govier's all-time favorite movie quotes. And I just give you quick hitters. I've only got two up so far, and Goodfellas was one of them. I posted the one-minute clip of the Idlewild Airport scene. Whenever we needed money, money we'd rob the airport. the airport. To me, <laughs> just like Citibank. That's go. right. So I posted that one today. And then uh, last week I did... It's only three seconds long. Get your ass to Mars. Get your you ass go. to Mars. That's all it is. A three-second clip. Way too much effort into that. So if you're looking for quick movie quotes that uh, I enjoy, you can check that out on my YouTube channel. Sure. Anyways, and I told Eric, Eric, I told you basically do this idea on our channel if you want to. I think people would really, you have a wealth of knowledge. And I think there's a lot of potential there. But anyways, you're doing great. So let's start off with you, Mr. Bradstrom. What the hell have you been watching in Griffith, Indiana? Watch the Attica doc on Showtime. It's fucking oh, awesome. Attica! <laughs> Dude, that is Loved a it. tough watch towards the end, too, man. Loved it, man. Yeah, I mean. So good. Just the, the, the footage. I mean, a good documentary has to have that footage. You can't just have a bunch of talking heads. You got And they were right there on the scene, all the reporters, and for everything that went down. Uh, loved it. If you got Showtime, I want you to watch the Attica documentary. It's kind of a forgotten story. Everyone just knows, you know, Attica, Dog Day Afternoon, Attica, something happened at the yeah. prison. But check into it, man, because that was insane for, you know, um, prison reform and all and all that sort of shit. Just human life. Corruption. Yeah, it's, it's just, fucking, yep, yep. it's bonkers, man. Basic it's totally needs. Bonkers. It's basic yeah. needs. Yes. A lot of those guys are still, not all of them, but it's cool that a lot of those guys that survived are still alive to tell that tale, too. So there's a lot of survivors in that dock. Of course we call the prisoners survivors, but not the hostages, because, yeah, you do have, like, the, 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 the dudes that probably literally beat the shit out of cops that are like, yeah, we were there. It was it was awesome, man. Like, uh, like celebrities now. It's like, come on, really? Like, that was a major, major crime. You can't do that. Uh, you can't uh, post about that. that. Is... But listen, <laughs> but listen, I also uh, watched The Rental from 2020. This is a, a independent horror film directed and co-written by Dave Franco uh, with a fucking great cast, Allison Brie, who I would watch do laundry for 10 hours. Um, uh, Dan Stevens, always reliable with his beautiful blue eyes. Uh, and we got, you know, it's co-written by Joe Swanberg. So you're going to have your infidelity and technology. Like it's classic Swanberg, very talky, like, uh, but some thrills, man. I, I, I dug the film. It's just a thriller. It's like an Airbnb thriller. It's Did Airbnb someone recommend this recently? I believe Travis may have, but, uh, yeah, I, okay. I was wondering, was cause I heard fantastic. this title recently. Somebody's yeah. somebody was talking about this and I didn't know if it was you or him. Cause it's a scary movie. I don't give a shit, but. 
That's isn't that summer rental? rental. It'll be on candy. Yeah. <laughs> no, not yeah, not summer. summer rental, man. Like, yeah. uh, just be careful when you go to. Uh, yeah, just be careful out there because there's a lot of fucking weirdos. Um, okay, uh, I've been watching the Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus. Very critical about Disney Star Wars, but I've been watching this series, which has been getting a lot of shit online. Um, I haven't heard anything. I got know. nothing. I haven't watched it yet, so I'm very curious. Yeah. Very, very curious. Yeah, I'm waiting. Over. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you need to wait. I, I think you could just jump in because it's like episodic. There's not like an art going on here. It's basically just like, uh, you know, ep like episode to episode. Anthology type thing. Standard like, anthology, yeah. yeah. It's just okay. I mean, like, we got a fantastic episode in Chapter 2, which rivals, like, any of the best action we've seen in all the sequels of the, of the new trilogy. But I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of thinly written and just lazily directed by, unsurprisingly, Robert Rodriguez. Um, oh. Yeah. 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 They've like kind of Rodriguez? Does he do every episode? He's been, he directed a couple, and the ones that he directed were just like completely, I'm sorry, but phoned in. Um, wow. The problem with this series is, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so you got to allow this. They've stripped the character of all of his mystery and just put him into these situations that just don't suit the character in terms of him wanting to, like, I don't see Boba Fett wanting to sit on Jabba's throne and, like, take house guests and argue with, like, the mayor of Mos Espa. Like, we'll see where it goes, <laughs> but, like... This is, I don't know if I'm feeling it, but, you know, some great action sequences. Sure, absolutely. The Guest Artist is a movie from 2020 uh, written by Jeff Daniels and starring Jeff Daniels based on his play of the same name. Uh, Ooh, local Michigan's own Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Filmed in Chelsea, Michigan and Howell, Michigan. Cleary's Pub gets a shout out. Home of the Purple Rose Theater, also owned by Jeff Daniels. That's absolutely right. It's directed by Timothy Busfield, you know, Howell, the former <laughs> former Howell native oh. who literally who literally tried to get the Timothy Busfield Museum set up in Howell, Michigan. The Timothy Acting Busfield legend. Museum. Are you serious? His shirt from sneakers, his glasses as Poindexter. People are going to pay the admission <laughs> price for the Timothy Busfield Museum. You got to shut it down, Ray. Sell the farm, Ray. Yeah, he wants to get, like, audio clips of him talking, rebirthed in a museum. That is bizarre. I, yep. Also, his... I don't know if they're still married or not, but Melissa Gilbert was his Melissa wife. Melissa Gilbert. Apparently she rude to mistakes. the waitress at Mr. B's. Yep, rude yeah. to the waitress at Mr. B's. Yeah, she was going to think about running for mayor in the last go-around here in Michigan, and yeah. turns out she had some tax issues, and she wasn't... Yep. I mean, it's just stupid. It's, it's weird. She's not paying all taxes. She was. They were both hoisted out on... Uh, wooden beams, literally, out of town. Wow, stunning! But the picture was stunning. pretty good. It was a little obvious and kind of a bit obnoxious. But as far as like a filmed play is concerned, it wasn't bad. And Jeff Daniels does put on a good performance, so it was decent on Amazon Prime. Lastly, uh, I watched the French Dispatch with uh, Wes Anderson, uh, new Wes Anderson film. Um, you know, I'm a big Western Wes Anderson fan, uh, lifelong Who fan. Uh, uh oh, turned it off. I turned oh! it off. I turned it oh. off. I haven't turned off a Wes, I've never turned off a Wes Anderson movie. I watched the Darjeeling Limited. In its I was just entirety. gonna say the Darjeeling you hung through. Okay, I watched that in its entirety, but I, I turned off the French Dispatch. It was just, I don't know what's going on here. Friend of the show, Chad, and a former guest host, 
sums it up completely. Wes Anderson's head is so far up his ass that he cannot entertain an audience. I mean, this, this movie is so unsurprising and trifling. I'm looking at the screen and I see all these actors and all this set design, and I'm just seeing nothing but a colossal waste of money. I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't get it. Uh, and, and I'm wow. sitting there like, am I not smart enough to understand like these like Dostoevskin like uh, um, uh, interludes and shit? No, no, I'm smart enough. I do get them. I just think it's fucking boring and pretentious. So can't recommend it. And that's it. I, I watched it as well. It was on my list of quarantine viewing picks. Hated and it. Yeah. Am I just getting sick of Wes Anderson now? Like I, I'm yeah. going to check yeah. back in on it, but I spent most of my time like sitting on my phone during the film. Yep. Like my wife yep. liked it, but like you have a banger cast in this. And yep. I didn't love Moonrise Kingdom, but I really, really loved Grand Budapest Hotel. Like I just, I couldn't attach to the the stories oh. that they were telling. I, I would have rather Good seen them just focus on the paper and everyone that's working at the paper instead of these like just little vignettes that they're doing. And yep. I just, I couldn't get into it. Mm, it it's so true this. like wow. this itemization like I, I i didn't even bother like reading any of these fucking itemizations he's got on the screen about what fucking brush was in the suitcase who gives a fuck get over yourself you I know it's not happened. memorable when i was wow. trying to think of the three stories or four stories that they had i'm like i don't remember these at all <laughs> yep what yep. happened sorry i think what happened here is i allowed my enjoyment and my appreciation for Wes Anderson's entire catalog to win me over because I watched the movie the first time and I had a sound down. It was late at night and Leanne was sleeping next to me so I never, I don't want to be too loud but this TV sucks. Like the speakers are way in the back of it and I can't hear it so I'm trying to turn it up but I can't hear it and the subtitles aren't available and so I'm like, all right, I got to watch this again and the second time I watched it because the first time I was like, eh, I don't know if it was that great. Second viewing, I got more into it, and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of digging this, and I like some of the stories going on here. There's there's stuff about life and the pain of life in this movie that are uh, well done. So I I don't think it's I don't think it's exactly as you guys are portraying it, but I do understand what your point of view is here, and I I could easily see why you see it as being boring and trite and uh, head up his own ass, Chad Gibbons. You you're definitely probably right about that, but he's still. He still has the touch with the dialogue. I still think it's good dialogue. I do. Okay. Hated it. Turned it off. <laughs> he couldn't even. Okay. How far did you get in? Did you even get to the Chalamet story? At a certain point, Timothy Chalamet was talking to Francis McDormand, and I just said, I don't fucking care. I took the day off, and I chose this as my entertainment for the day, and uh, I'm bored. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry it didn't go the way you planned. Uh, I still recommend it. That was my opinion. So, all right. That it, Eric? Yeah, thanks. Thank you, sir. Good man. Cinema Night <laughs> Podcast, quarantine viewing picks, carries forth. Look, I still am just not watching any movies. I'm so busy oh since the new God, year. I know, it's crazy. I'm, I'm just dedicating so much time to making graphics and making podcasts. and I'm making so much that I don't have time to just throw on a movie. However, I very, 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 very much am getting angry at myself for not seeing Licorice Pizza yet. I have to see it. Yeah. I absolutely... I have to see this film, and it's so stupid on my part that I haven't gone to the theater to see it. I have to get it done maybe this weekend because I don't think Leanne's coming now because something came up. So this might be the moment. You've been saying that for the past three weeks, Mike. It's going to be out of the theater soon. I haven't seen it yet either. And I had last Friday off, and I'm like, all right, let's do a double dip at the theater. Let's see Spider-Man. Let's see Licorice Pizza. Yeah. I just couldn't get my ass off the couch. 
Yeah. <laughs> I understand. I completely understand. So I will switch over to, since I don't have enough to offer, I want to give credit to friend of the show and also former guest host, Brian M, Mr. Brian Madison, oh, okay. who did the uh, Devil in a Blue Dress episode with us. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can watch anytime or listen to anytime on your favorite podcast platform. And Brian gave me his top five movies of 2021. So I thought I would oh, share shit. them. He emailed them to me Please. for the Please. Is It Safe podcast, which is another podcast we do okay. with Total Bozo Fest. And Brian has been getting active oh, on the God. email. And Brian says this. My top five films of 2021 are as follows. Number five, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is surprising. I, I know he likes Marvel, but I didn't know he was that hardcore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Eric doesn't like that. Uh, I'm not expecting this from Brian. Four. I'm expecting some real independent auteur film. I know. Some real snobby so shit. So maybe that's... Spider-Man? Maybe that says a lot about okay. Spider-Man. Okay. I don't I'm know. Brian's, Brian's opinion, I mean, here on the show, for those that don't know Brian or did not see the episode he was on, Brian's opinion has full... I'm going to take myself out of the equation. I'm trying to get better at that. Continue, please. <laughs> Good boy. Sorry. Number four, the Dune reboot. The new Dune. He loved him. Number three, number three, licorice pizza. That's his top three. Number I, two. I think I know what his number one is, but continue. Okay. I'll let you guess. Uh, number two, and Travis would appreciate this. I appreciated it. Pig is number two. Love Pig. Okay, yep. Such a good movie. I think and his number, number one, one is Eric. I've gotten several texts in the middle of the night. I wasn't that uh, upset that I got woken up, even though I get three, 30 minutes of sleep every night with a newborn. But. I am so surprised that this movie is getting the acclaim from my legendary friend, Brian Madison. Come on, come on, the Mike Mills, Joaquin Phoenix star. That's right. You nailed it. I got to see this, this movie. movie. I got to check this out. I don't even out, know man. much about it. Yeah, I've yeah, heard so much. That's, that's the best part. I've heard so much praise on like Phoenix's performance and just like how tender it, it is. And I, I believe it's a black mm -hmm. and white film as well. Yeah, um, it is. I almost pulled the trigger on buying it a couple weeks ago. I think it's on VOD, yeah, but I, I I just waited. But I'm hearing incredible things about it. Can't wait. <sighs> okay. Well, there it is, Brian. Thanks for filling the void on my aspect of this segment. Uh, I've been watching too many NFL playoff games on YouTube, dearie. Like I've I'm just out of control. I've been watching every every NFL playoff game in the last 30 years. It's got to be break. 80s or later. That's Why? what I've been doing. I know, Eric. Yeah. Why are you watching so into old it. NFL? <laughs> I just love it, man. I, the announcers, I like to hear what they say. I just it takes me back in time. Like Dick Enberg uh, on the 1991 Denver Buffalo AFC title game. Dick Sean Enberg, McDonough, man, the sideline reporter. Yeah, Sean McDonough, it's cool. It, it's just a, a weird, fascinating trip down memory lane. And and then you get into the more modern games, and it's like all Joe Buck. You're like, ugh, this doesn't have the same feel. So Yeah, it's been going anyways, on forever. Deary. Like, remember you would see, like, O.J. Simpson on the sidelines or McDonough? And, yeah, I mean, yeah, he was. That, dude, in that game, O.J. Simpson's, they say, coming yeah. up next is a halftime report, and there's O.J. on the sidelines, and they're talking about how great a man he is, and he's so excited. It's just so weird. Ooh. His name's on the ring of honor in that stadium. It's such Who a strange moment Three years time. later. <laughs> Three I'm years sorry. later, it all changed. Yeah. All right, Deary, you have the spotlight. You're the guest of honor today. Bring Give it. us your quarantine viewing picks. I, I got quite a big list here. Uh, some of these I'll just fly Bring through. Um, Bring all of them. Bring it. Perfect. All right. Uh, check back in with 1997's Jackie Brown. God damn it. I love oh this my fucking God. movie. 
I saw yes. it in the theaters, loved it when it was at the theaters, but like this movie just keeps climbing up the ranks of Tarantino. I like I think it's number two, possibly number three for me now. Like every time I see it, number two. I absolutely yep. enjoy it. Like I think it's it's cut yep. like pulp is number one for me, but and, and glorious has been two for a little bit, but I, I may be putting Jackie Brown up there. It's just, it's so funny. It's, it's long, but like, I, I don't get sick of watching it every time it's on. It's like, okay, I'm checking in. Yep. And just my favorite part is just like the De Niro and Melanie back and forth <laughs> is so funny. And he, he gets so yep. infuriated by how annoying she is. And then finally yeah. he just puts a cap in her and ends her. And he, oh man, it's yep. so funny. He's like <laughs> ripping the ball on the couch. I, I absolutely I love Jackie Brown. It's probably the only one be, on this list. Maybe maybe a couple other ones that like I, I checked back in on because like I just saw it was on TV and I'm like, okay, I'm putting Jackie Brown on. I'm I'm, I'm here yep. for the next two and a half hours. But so it's so unlike other Tarantino movies in that it's so like mature. Like it's not like there to just like like fuck off and have, be fun and entertaining. It's a very like like adult type of film and i love that like richness and it may be because he teamed up with elmore leonard in the rum punch adaptation but it's just such a uh, detour for tarantino in that it's more serious and fucking unbelievable it's probably my my second favorite tarantino as well yeah he's just not pulling punches on you and trying to go with all these clever tricks in the film it's yeah just, like, he's not doing anything it's, it's it's so fun there's so many different storylines that are going on and the just great cameos in there so i i love jackie brown great movie incredible so this past weekend my wife told me how much i've been with my wife almost 16 years now she told me that she's a big fan of godzilla movies i was like wait a minute what are you talking about i i have no idea that you're into this and when we were coming back from california she watched uh you know the king kong versus godzilla movie that came out last year and she's like oh it was incredible i'm like what are you talking about you're into these godzilla movies so she's like, okay, last Sunday, she's like, we're going to watch Godzilla King of Monsters from 2019. I'm like, all right, wow. you know, whatever. Who's in, who's in this? Okay, you got Millie Bobby Brown, Bobby Millie Brown, whatever her name oh, is from Jesus. Stranger Things. She's in it. You got Kyle Chandler, who my wife absolutely adores, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights series. She loves him. And I'm a Vera Formiga fan, so we watched mm -hmm. it. Hey, it was nonstop action for two hours and 15 minutes. <gasps> and I actually enjoyed it. Like, I, I, I was having fun watching it. I had no clue of, like, the pathos or the history of Godzilla movies. So, like, I had no clue that there's all these other monsters and there's, like, this three-headed snake and this, like this bug thing going on. Like I actually enjoyed it. It was dumb fun. So uh, yeah, it was a decent recommendation for me on that one. Make sure she uh, checks out, uh, you know, a friend of the show, Chad is, is Mr. Godzilla. And he strongly recommends like he's seen every Godzilla movie. He recently did like a many hour long podcast about Godzilla. <laughs> he says, you got to check out. Uh, I was just laughing about this earlier today. The title it's Godzilla like Tokyo SOS. <laughs> he says God it's like the best one. Godzilla. Like, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. And then like one where he's like up against some sort of vegetable monster is supposed to be one of the best. I don't fucking know. My wife told me she was into Godzilla films. It would be like her saying that she has been dressing in my clothes for the past 16 years. <laughs> I would be so shocked. Next one, I checked in uh, 1976, Bad News Bears. Uh, I've seen this movie <laughs> so many times, and huh. I really, really enjoyed it as, as a kid. Like, I loved uh, Tatum O'Neill's character of, uh, 
Amanda Wurlitzer. I like had this huge crush Ooh. on her when I was a kid watching that movie. Ooh. And it, I, I've always enjoyed the movie. Ke- Kelly Leak is a total badass in the movie. I mean, he's like 12 years old, smoking cigarettes, riding around with a, on a motorcycle, like hitting on chicks at the, the ballet class that uh, Amanda's in. Uh, but something really hit me at the end of that movie that like really turned me off. And it's when they're playing the Yankees in the finals and the coach of the other team just smacks Joey across across the face, the kid who's pitching for the Yankees against the Bears. And it like really like turned me off. Like nobody in the crowd is doing anything about this. He just like smacks hmm. the kid and then the kid sabotages the rest of the game. Like really turned me off. I mean, I, I still enjoy the movie, but like I, that really bothered me for some reason. Like nothing else happens. And also it's like, Certainly not believable. These guys are the worst, like, 11- and 12-year-old baseball players of all time, and some of them go on this run because Walter Matthau's drunk, leading them to a championship. Still still enjoyable, but, like, come on. It's not believable whatsoever. (laughs) My God. Yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of old movies on Turner Classic Movies, Chris, and, like, literally in every single movie, anytime, like, a woman gets emotional, the man will, like, (laughs) smack her in the face to, like, I don't know, like, get her to not cry anymore like what the fuck is that do people still do that i really hope not yeah my wife and i now that uh like hbo max has that uh tcm channel on there and during christmas we were watching trying to find like a bunch of old christmas movies to watch it's Mm -hmm. like yeah every film is just like shut up every film smack him this is so uncomfortable like this this was brandy down their throat and smacked him in the face that's how you get people to (laughs) get out of his (laughs) parents Checked it. Checked in uh, with an old Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, 1986 Commando. Yes, you guys see this one in a while. Love it. I saw the commentary on what was the whatever podcast I was talking on the other day about how some guy was pissed because he saw a clip on TikTok. By the way, we have a TikTok. If you'd like to check it out, we post videos on the Cinema Nine. But yeah, look at Eric's face. You can't see it on the podcast, but he's embarrassed, but we do post videos on TikTok. And a guy posted a video about how pissed he was to find out that in Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not carrying an actual like tree log. This massive log he's carrying <laughs> as he comes down the hill is fake. It's plastic. <laughs> this guy was pissed. He's like, I thought Arnold could carry a real log. How embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like I had seen that movie a bunch when I was a kid. I think I got it confused with the Stallone vehicle uh, Cobra. I think I got those two confused oh. for some reason. No but, uh, out there, babe. Babe, no babe. The, the best part of Commando is basically the first 10 minutes. So here's what happens in the first 10 minutes. There's okay. a bunch of garbage men that get in a shootout. A car blows through a, <laughs> a car blows through a dealership. A boat blows up, and then right after that, Arnold comes in and he's just chopping logs. And James Horner, who does the score for it, he's got these like yeah. tropical jams going on. So I'm like grooving around watching this dumb action movie. It's oh, so what? unbelievably stupid, but uh, yeah, I, I love Arnold, and you know. Mid '80s Arnold is absolutely classic. Uh, so yeah, Alyssa I, Milano. I, I enjoyed it. It was on in the background. Yeah, Alyssa Milano, absolute banger back in '86. <laughs> okay, you guys seen the Tender Bar yet? This uh, George Clooney directed Ben Affleck film. Keep nope. scrolling past it. I, George Clooney is not a reliable director, so his name yeah. as director is not going to get me to hit play. Absolutely agree. Like I, I was, I was somewhat excited about this film. I, I really like what Affleck's been doing. I love the way back from a couple of years ago where he's the basketball coach. I thought he had a really nice performance in that, but I don't know, man. Like I love this. I love the story of, of the kid, but then the second half of the movie is when he's in college and I just, I can't, 
get myself attached to it. I would have rather they just kept him as a kid the whole movie and ran with that. Like, Affleck's great in it. And then he just kind of disappears for the second half of the movie. And they make it about the kid in college. And, you Jesus. know, the, the woman who plays the mom, Lily Rabe, I actually like her. She was in oh, that. Oh, I like uh, her. American Horror undo- She was in that undoing uh, show that I, I, I prefaced earlier. And it, but she's just, like, annoying as hell. I was like, you need to get into the Ivy League school. You got to do oh, it. Jesus. It's all she talks about the whole fucking movie. Ivy League. So yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I, I don't really have a recommendation for this one. Okay. Damn, man. Clooney is hitting and missing. Even with Christopher Lloyd, he's not Lloyd's great. For that. Okay, yeah, Lloyd is great in it. Jesus Christ. How is this like he looks Still exactly alive. like he did as Doc Brown 35 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Still gone. Jesus. Uh here's a good one for you. So okay. I am an unapologetic Madonna fan. I watched 1985's Desperately Seeking Susan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You guys, you guys right. ever see this one? No. Of course. No, you used no to love clear. this movie in the 80s. You know, mistaken identity, you know, Patri- or Rosanna Arquette. Uh, yep. It's kind of boring. The last 30 minutes was actually really great. But listen to this cast. Like, people just kept showing up that, like, I'm like, oh, my God, it's that guy. It's that guy. You got Rosanna Arquette, Madonna, who's great in it. I wish, like, she was in it more. She's sexy as hell. Oh, Aiden Quinn, Lori Metcalf is in this. A young John Turturro shows up. He runs this, like, club. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> the villain in the movie, I couldn't, like, place who he was. I'm like, who is this guy? I can't figure it out. It's who a young you? Will Patton with hair. Holy oh. shit. No, I don't believe it. He's never had you it. also got Giancarlo Esposito as, like, this uh, uh, kind of, like, street vendor that shows up for five minutes. I'm like, oh, my God, it's that guy. And the last one that totally <laughs> blew my mind, Stephen Wright is in the movie as, like, a friend wow. of... Of Patricia Arquette's like boyfriend and he just or like Dang. sister and she just he just like hangs hey. out. It's so weird because he's not doing his like weird deadpan like hey, Billy. hey man I'm on the couch. No, he's not man. doing that. He's actually like no, acting kind of normal. So it was it was it was kind of odd. But uh, it's interesting mm-hmm. to check back in the movie. I remember that movie being on all the time when I was a kid, but I don't think I'd ever like watched it all the way through. But it's a oh, like, a banger cast for sure. And yeah, get into the yeah. groove is in that movie. So you, you definitely get into that. Yeah, Madonna. that was a big part of that. that was crucial that's, that's why i was always my favorite madonna song back in the day uh anything else dearie yeah i got i got two more here uh oh, okay i had never seen this one 1990s king of new york yeah abel ferrera film yeah, yeah. christopher walken uh yep. you got david caruso like another just redheaded bozo similar to like Buttsfield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wesley Snipes is in this one, but he just like he doesn't do anything until like the end of the movie. Uh, Walken's an absolute legend in the film, and there's like this great shoot 'em up at the end of the movie that's like set in rain that is like really cool. It's a very violent film, but I think the superstar of this movie, a young Larry Fishburne, yeah, Larry Fishburne. He's not playing the father character in this. He's just like this straight up tough ass gangster. Uh, yeah. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's you know definitely high recommendation for me. Wow. It was because I don't think it got you know the pub back in 1990 because like New Jack City came out like right after that, <laughs> yeah. and like that was Wesley Snipes was in that one and Nino Brown. He got a lot more uh, pub for that one, but yeah, I think his name's Frank White walking in it, and uh, I, I enjoyed it. I was surprised. Okay, all right, Chris. And then the last one I watched, um, you know, we're scrolling through just looking for something stupid to be on in the background. We watched 
Drinking Buddies from 2013. Yeah, yeah, Joe Swanberg film. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Olivia Fun. Wilde, Fun Jake, Jake mm-hmm. Johnson, who played Nick on uh, New Girl, which is, I, I yeah. love that show. Anna Kendrick, Ron oh. Livingston's in that movie as well. Ron I was Livingston. doing a little research on this movie. It was highly improvised throughout the whole movie. I really, really enjoyed it. It had this kind of like thing of, you know, the man and the woman are just buddies. They work at this brewery. It just made me want to drink IPAs the whole time I'm watching the movie. <laughs> and it doesn't have the conventional ending of the will they, won't they. Uh, I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it quite a bit, actually. I was surprised. Yeah, man. Uh, Joe Swamberg is a classic mumblecore uh, figure. I used to live down the street from in Chicago. I would like walk my dog and I'd like bump into him and I'd be like, hey, Joe, man, like, uh, what do we got coming out? And he'd be like, oh, Jake Johnson's coming over next weekend to shoot this gambling movie. I'm like, holy shit, man, can't wait for it. Like, fucking weird, but <laughs> a fun movie. And actually, Tarantino said that was one of his top 10 of that year when that Drinking Buddies came out. And yeah, don't, uh, don't dismiss it. It's something you just never heard of because it's like a fun improvisational movie if you're into movies like, uh, no, Bob and Tom. Yeah, I was, I was, I was surprised. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Cool, man. Great pick. Who are you? Hey, Christopher Deary, knocking it out of here. That's right. Palazzo Podcast's very own Christopher Deary is live on the Cinema Nine Podcast. movies. One thousand movies in twenty twenty two. I'll keep checking in with you guys. See where we're at. Yeah, keep us updated. You know, drop us. You always drop comments when you watch the show, and we love. Getting emails from everybody. Anytime you want to send us movie lists, uh, stuff you've been watching, hit us up. Pod at ProtonMail.com or like we, you know, TikTok DMs, uh, Twitter DMs. There's so many ways to contact us. It's really unfair. It's, it's not acceptable to have no communication when there's so many ways to hit <laughs> us up. We're here for you. Maybe we should write you guys an email. Maybe that's a problem. Eric, we need to write people more emails. On it, I guess, Mike. On it. <laughs> uh, as far as the emails, I'd like to say that we have none. So that's I'd like to say yeah. it, and I did say it. Yeah. No emails this week. So that means we can move into the main event. It's time. Christopher Deary has selected the 1996 film Swingers, directed by Doug Lyman, written legendarily by and launching his career to a new realm, John Favreau. Yes. I mean, you're telling me that your life sucks. That means my life is god-awful, you know? Part of the reason that I moved out here is because I saw how well you were doing, and I figured that if you could make it, then I could make it, too. I didn't make it. You got an agent. You got in the unions. You know, that's your problem, is that you... You don't look at the things that you have. You only look at the stuff that you don't have. Those guys are right about you, your money. And why won't she call She won't call because you left. She's got her own life to deal with, man, and that's in New York. All right? And she's a sweet girl, and I love her to pieces, but fuck her, man. You got to get on with your life. You got to let go of the past. And Mikey, when you do, I'm telling you, the future is beautiful. All right? Look out the window. It's sunny every day here. It's like manifest destiny. Don't tell me we didn't make it. We made it. We are here. And everything that has passed is prologue to this. All of the shit that didn't kill us is only... You know, all that shit. You're gonna get over it. 
How did you get over it? I mean, how, how long did it take? I don't know. Sometimes it still hurts. You know how it is, man. It's like you wake up every day and it hurts a little bit less, and then you wake up one day and it doesn't hurt at all. And the funny thing is, is that this is kind of weird, but it's like, it's like you almost miss that pain. You miss the pain? Yeah, for the same reason that you miss her. Because you you lived with it for so long. Ron Livingston, as you mentioned earlier, Deary is in this movie of Office Space fame and many other things, Band of Brothers. And, of course, Vince Vaughn, the guy behind me right there. This is the breakout vehicle for Mr. Vince Vaughn. So, guy behind the guy. The guy behind the guy. Double Eric Brantrum, take us back in time. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Was it during the height and the craze of the swing era in the mid to late 90s? <laughs> it comes out in 96. So, like, for somebody that's, like, 14, 15, like me at that time, uh, yeah, I don't catch it in theaters because like, there's no internet. So you don't, like, you you can't catch the buzz like we can nowadays where you're hearing about movies, like, a year before they come out. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you, 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 it takes a while. And it took a couple of years. Like, I, I, I rented it maybe 97, 98. And, I mean, that's it. Once you see it, you buy it. That you buy the VHS and you play it and play it and play it and play it and play it. This is a regular fixture in my house for many years. Unforgettable. Unforgettable. Oh, blue karaoke takes me back. Actually, uh, Friends karaoke. Do you prefer blue friends. karaoke or Friends karaoke? Friends. friends. That yeah. dude bought us pizza that one time. Yeah, it seems like blue karaoke has some weird shit going on there. Uh, these yeah. are karaoke places no in Ann Arbor. Yeah. Prostitution? Are you? Oh, bye. Okay. Conspiracy theories. Conspiracy work, theories. My bad. At any rate, uh, I definitely saw this movie. Not the year it came out, though. Uh, I kind of caught it. I believe my recollection is freshman year of college, 98, you know, up at Central mm, Michigan. Yep. Like, oh, what's this? I saw posters for swingers. I was like, what's this shit? You know, and. So then I found out, and my life was forever changed. I became familiar with what it meant to be so money and not even know it. And I just didn't know what it was until I saw the film, and then it all, suddenly I had unlocked a portal, like a pop culture portal, just been unlocked in my world, which I was already, technically I had access to. I just didn't know what it was. So, yeah, uh, I remember laughing a lot and enjoying it very much. I thought it was hilarious. So, Deary, how about you? Take us back in time to your original viewing of Swingers. Yeah, I, I certainly did not see it in theaters back in the, the fall of 96. I was trying to recollect what happened and how I first saw this film. I think my oldest brother, Brian, introduced it to me at some point in maybe mid-97, late 97, possibly. But in summer of 97, I got a job at the end of summer, right before my junior year. I got a job at Record Town in Yay! 12 Oaks Mall. And I worked there the rest of the oh, time through high school. And I think it was right around 98 where I feel like this VHS started picking up a lot of ground. Uh, you would see the movie poster like everywhere. And I remember we would get these movie posters in and they would ask us to put them up around around the you know the store and swingers mm -hmm. was the one that came in and i was like okay you know let's check this one out again because my brother had introduced it to me i i enjoyed it so i think i lifted the vhs from from work and and started watching it a lot and i still remember in like 
Christmas season of 98, like swingers had just started to like really pick up. And it was similar to like Dazed and Confused and then like Office Space yeah. a couple years later yep. of like yep. two films that didn't do well at the theater. But yeah. you get this cult following where like every party you go to in high school, Dazed and Confused is playing, Dazed and Confused is playing. So I remember Christmas of 98, Titanic comes out. And like, that's like a big thing. And then, you know, 99, as soon as that DVD comes out, it's a big thing. But we still had that Swingers poster. And I kept switching out the Titanic poster for Swingers because I was just so into it. And I was watching it all the time. And my bosses would get so pissed at me because they were huge, like Celine Dion fans. I had to listen to this shit all the time. Town. The uh, absolute worst. Like, what is this swingers crap, crap you keep putting in here? I'm like, come on, man. Big bad voodoo daddy. This is great. Good time. Your money. <laughs> yeah, I had that VHS. Uh, and it was weekly viewing, if not daily viewing, yeah. from you know 98 to probably 2002, 2003. Like it was all right. You watch the movie when you come home from the bar. All right, rewind it, watch it again. So you just yeah. get the DVD, put it back on, just keep it playing, keep playing it. But I wanted yeah. to put out here today as a recommendation because I haven't seen it since 2006. It was one of my favorite movies for so long and I wanted to bring it back onto the show because I wanted to see if it held up. I wanted to see like so many other movies in the 90s where they have just like kind of these off-color jokes where maybe it's a homophobic joke or a poor race joke marginalizing certain demographics of people or cultures. And I was wondering if that was going to happen in this movie. So that's why I wanted to give it a a good rewatch. I'm glad I did. Damn. Damn. Uh, <laughs> God, it is fun, though. It's catchy. I, it I did put me in a good mood. I will admit that. Yeah. Bring us yeah. back, Mike. It's 1996. Are you are you on top of the zeitgeist? Are you right there with the swing culture of a uh, of one tiny little city in LA that was doing this? <laughs> tiny little city. Fuck. I didn't know shit. Swing stuff was just strange. It kind of was there. It was also hinted at in Clueless. Like there's some, hey, that guy was a swinger and um uh, mm-hmm. was blowing up too. I remember at my graduation party. My dad, I had two because, you know, my parents couldn't be in the same party together. So we had mom's de- grad party and dad's grad party. And at dad's grad party, we were cranking the sky. And it was just all the rage in 98. People loved it. And all the older people were like, what's this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's the sky. Put on your checkered pants and have a party. So, I feel like not it, swinging, though. And some it, people might get pissed about that. It's very confusing to, like, if you were to go back to 97, 98, when that stuff, like, (laughs) Scott starts picking up and getting play on, like, radio or local, like, alternative station. Then all of a sudden, there's, like, this six-month movement of swing. How can you explain this to somebody who's, like, 20 years old? This is something that happened for, like, a year and a half. It's the oddest thing ever. People are buying, like, bowling shirts and chain wallets and walking around. (laughs) So odd. (laughs) Well, the thing about it is, and I... And I dug a little bit into it. So um, the swing revival starts in 1989 with, with, with oddly enough, you know, Royal Crown Review and Reverend Horton Heat. So it has a few years to get going. That's why we get this explanation for a film getting produced in 1996 that is written, somehow financed, produced out there and somehow still a hit. And yet, this kind of trend that's on top of the charts right then in 1996 is, is like actually hitting people. It, it, this, this swing thing is like very small. Yes. Yes. But, but 
it was just an LA thing in, in like maybe 93 or so. <laughs> Uh, and then it, the it, it of late 80s to early 90s swing. Give it you, to you, got, you really do have to address it. You really do have to address it because after the cherry popping daddies, big big bad voodoo daddies, squirrel nut zippers, it, it reaches it its pitch with fucking Brian Setzer and uh jump and jive because Brian Setzer oh, covers Louis Prima's jump and jive in 98 and then gap puts it in a fucking commercial for their clothes and it gets commercialized. And then everyone's like, Oh, this is fucking stupid. No more swing. It's over. Yeah. I remember going to the like 97 or 98 warp tour. I think it was the 97 warp tour. Every single swing band that you just mentioned, we're, we're at that warp tour. It was so yeah. odd. Yeah. Time to catch in time to catch in. Uh, what about the IMDB score? Did you guys look this one up? I have not looked. So I'm going to guess on this. This is, a classic film in terms of cult status. People love it. This generation that we're from, I think there's a ton of people who love swingers, but it can't be like a an eight or something. It can't be Hall of Fame worthy, but I'll say this is a solid 7.4. Any other guesses? I, yeah, I got to say it's up there. Maybe 7.1. I'm going to say 7.2. Actual retail price is and yeah, guys i don't know if you're gonna believe this but it's a 7.2 you would believe it. Oh, no way i did not look either hey where to go day as far as rotten tomatoes 87 from the critics 89 from the audience very tight very very even keel from both sides of the aisle okay. at the movie theater Critical reviews, we've got 55 of them, and we're starting Desen, with... Desen, Desen, Desen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a fan. That's so funny. Goody Coons, Desen. Uh, yeah, we're looking, <laughs> we're looking for these guys. Goody. I haven't seen Goody Coons in forever. Maybe that was a one-off, you know? I don't know if we'll ever see him again. Um, but I'm sure he's out there. How about, uh, let's, you said L.A., so let's go with the L.A. Times, Eric. Kenneth Turin of the L.A. Times says, a guy film that gives you something to latch onto that makes male bonding both believable and appealing. Mm, yeah, I see that for sure. It's definitely a, a like a group of dudes getting together and doing stuff. Like, especially all these guys are like, you know, failing actors or trying to become actors out in LA. They're just like all down on their luck. And it's like four to five dudes that are just doing the same shit all the time, losing out on these parts, going to an audition, not hearing back on the audition, playing video games. Some of you aspire to in your early 20s when you start building those bonds so i definitely can agree with that there's a lot of macho though coming into this period and this is about male bonding but there's also like honest talks about you know, sensitive and feelings and pain about relationships it's got a different angle to it which we'll talk more about roger ebert said the movie is sweet funny observant and goofy with a small g which means you don't get paid but at least you don't have to wear the suit. Ha ha ha! Classic. Isn't that funny? So Rod liked it. He did. Small Three out of four G. stars. Okay. Three, uh, yeah, small G. Get it? It's a lot of fun. It's not goofy, but it's not the, the goofy. <laughs> oh. uh, shocking. Minimal amount of reviews with this. I'm really surprised. This is a well-known big-time film, and I'm surprised that there, there's only 55, and that's a very, very tiny amount. Hard to find. Anybody else that commented on this movie, which I find to be odd. So I'll give you 
No Goody Coons, no Destin Thompson. How about Entertainment Weekly? They said A. Congratulations. That's all they said. Richard Corliss of Time Magazine said, four guys hang out, kid one another, get into scuffles, and flash their gonadal searchlight for available oh women. <laughs> what? Yikes. Haven't Go there been natal. enough variations on the multiple buddy movie? Actually, Go no. Gonadal. Yeah. Flash their gonadal searchlight. So, uh. I had never used that word before like that. No. Lastly, Chicago Tribune, Michael Wilmington says, Swingers doesn't really add up to much except a good time, but it's smart, funny, and cute. With all that going for you, who needs to be money? Hiya! Bro, it sounds like it sounds like it added up to a lot. Like, what is he talking about? It doesn't add up to anything, and then he just praises it after that. This movie, <laughs> this movie uh, has set a record, Eric, for all the reviews we've ever done for every show. We always check the reviews. This is a record for the most... Input from the movie's one-liners into the reviews. We had at least three different times where somebody tried to use Goofy or money in the review. So apparently this really hit people with the slang and the talk okay. and the chatter and the dialogue. Okay. But isn't it fucking kind of bizarre that, like, with that said, they're like, that didn't really catch on. Did you ever hear any asshole trying to say money or baby to their friends? Like Are no one ever me? had the guts to do that. You Are had you heard? I'm I'm dead serious. No one ever was like, oh yeah, that's money. Oh yeah, hey baby, hey man, yeah, yeah, dude, dude. Okay, go for well, it, maybe baby. we did as a. I never heard that. Okay, shit. not okay. Probably not serious. Like straight seriously. No, you're probably right. right. But we did. We used it a lot as the movie reference, I guess. So you're right. Only okay, a movie right. reference, but like if you're gonna take a call of the pop culture, that's gonna catch on. People are gonna start trying to do it. No one had the fucking balls to do that. You cannot top the charisma of Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, and his cast here. No one even tried. <laughs> you're all losers. You losers don't even try. So I, <laughs> I vividly remember in the early two thousands being out at Western Michigan for college and people saying, mm. You're so money. All that the is so, time. so dumb. Are you serious? All the time. I would have, it's a face bomber for me. I would have been like, Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Get out of here. With Talk that to shit. the hand. So yeah. I, I was watching this last night. Vince Vaughn is like infuriating with the amount of times he uses beautiful babies and baby when he's calling Mikey baby. In the yeah. first, yeah. in the first 31 minutes, he says beautiful baby or baby 22 times. Wow. You counted? That's amazing. I counted as I was watching it last night. It's absolutely absurd. It is. He does wow. use it too much. They're just saying the same shit over and over again. It's almost like it's totally improv. There technically was a script, but good Lord, there was a lot of Vince Vaughn allowing to do whatever he wanted to do, and it made the final cut in this film. And some of it's great, but other times, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, God, okay, he's talking like this again. It's Especially in that early going where they head out to Vegas and that whole scene in exchange, which is... Yeah, you know, the thing about Vegas and showing up to Vegas, that'll never get old because that cliche exists for a reason. We go to Vegas with so much excitement and then it all turns to shit. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. yeah, I mean, Eric is me and Eric have been to Vegas together a few times, so we both know the experience. He's seen me miserable. Uh, we've both been excited as That's hell to go. Remember that flight out that one night when we we got shit faced on the flight out? We were so excited that, that, to go to Vegas. That that's Vegas, but like any any like potential opportunity where you think you're going to like a be considered like this totally awesome person or b make a ton of money just because you're trying to trying to gamble or something like we would get out of work at blockbuster video at like one in the morning go to canada 
get there at like 2.30 and still think that like we were going to like be the toast of the town. We would be fucking asleep <laughs> halfway to the Detroit tunnel, but we'd still try to make a go for it. So we could totally relate to this back in the day. How, how the That's fuck funny. are these guys awake during this trip? So it's like still dark out when they leave for Vegas. That's a long yep. trip, like L.A. to Vegas. Yeah, they get yeah to it's like Vegas. three, four hours. It, and Mikey's just so neurotic. He's like, I thought we were going to put on suits. Where's my? Where's your suit? Where's your suit? And he's like, okay, man, hold the wheel while I put my damn suit on. <laughs> he's like, we, we got to have our suits on because they're going to give us everything when we, we show up. And then they get there, and one, they're so let down because they walk into this like skeleton casino where there's just dead old people everywhere. And what confuses me is like, (laughs) clearly these guys have no idea how to gamble because Mikey sits down at the table. He's counting his money out, his 20s. takes him a good five minutes to count $300 out. The dealer's just like, no, you have to hand me the money. And he's like, he doesn't know what to do. (laughs) And then like, he he gets the three checks. He gets the $300 checks. Like, what are you doing? As soon as you got those $300 checks, you're like, okay, this table is not for me. Let me move over to another table. Clearly has no idea how to gamble at the blackjack table. It just looks like a yeah. total buffoon. Yeah, the comedy's forced there a bit because they know, it'll, yeah. Nobody, no self-respecting. Even somebody who didn't know what they were doing, they would have a clue about that. You just wouldn't do that. But it does remind me how cool. We made fun of the lingo a bit, but this movie is so quotable. Hold on, Voltaire. I mean, that shit is hilarious, and it still made me laugh watching it again. The Age of Enlightenment. (laughs) That's right. It's funny. So it's 6 in the morning by the time they get there, and then they meet the the waitress and her friend. Like, how the fuck are these guys awake? And then they drive back the next morning. I feel like there's some backroom, like, coke going on here. Yeah, there's not enough uh, uppers mixed into the actual on-camera stuff. You're right. That's definitely some... Uh, back then, it could have been mini fins. That was something that kept us going for all hours of the night as well. But yeah, they go back to this trailer. They're in a sweet ass casino, and they're like, "Well, we can't drink here. Let's go to this dumper, this like nuclear reactor local trailer. It's just outside of like fucking Roswell or Area Four Fifty One or whatever. It's so weird. It's very bizarre." I gotta How stop hard? here, Mike. So they enter the trailer, and did you hear what song played as they entered the? How trailer? hard did you laugh when Magic Man kicked in? I forgot. I can't believe you guys were... Oh, yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah, we... Uh... <laughs> and it plays... The thing about this, too, they don't just... They must have paid for the whole song because that song plays for, like, eight minutes through the whole thing with well, the exchange of Mikey needs to use a phone to check his messages. He got calling card too. This talk about dated movies, man. <laughs> calling cards. Oh, I got my own calling card. It's cool. Gosh, it's so fascinating to go back and see this totally antiquated shit that we don't use anymore. It's a $200,000 budget, but you got to imagine with Magic Man, Dean you know, Dino on the cast, this is the, the music budget has to be huge because they're shooting with a <laughs> Fucking documentary style. There it is. 35 millimeter camera. This couldn't have cost anything. It's just their friends uh, as the actor. So where 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 is this money going to? But yeah, it's gotta be the music budget. We've got the great tracks here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Daria. Well, yeah, Those mean, guys definitely they, they would be exhausted. But you know, they're also young too, and there is something about a bender that's just fun. I, I could stay up all night and do that back in the day, and it would be crazy. I'm just yeah. like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah, early, yeah. T- early 20s. But, yeah, we used to roll up to Soaring Eagle at like 
midnight, cock 12 in the morning, and then you're blowing back at 8 a.m. Oh, so like, yeah, did you get cock blocked by your friend like that? Like the way Mikey cock blocks Trent here, it's all time, man. It's just, it's not even cock block. It's just disrespectful. But it's so just like to, to kind of center ourselves with like the something like the performances. They're all friends like in real life. So the chemistry between Vince Vaughn and Ron Livingston and John Favreau is so natural. So when you have like Vince Vaughn walk out of the back of that trailer and just sigh and be like, wow, you <laughs> he know told exactly. the story again. <laughs> yep. Yep. He, he did it again. Like you're seriously about to call your fucking voicemail. Like you, you can do so little and then like just blow it up to the extreme and just like, it's contagious and it's infectious because the cast is like having so much fun and you get that independent feel from all the actors. That's what makes it so fun to watch and probably rewatchable just because it's so uh, effortless and so harmless of a movie that it just remains such a, just a timeless comedy in my opinion. It's so funny. I went back to this, like watching the opening scene when he's sitting there with uh, Ron Livingston's character, Rob, and he's like, you're the only one I can talk to about this. You're the yeah. only one that I can talk to about Michelle and us breaking yeah. up. But like he does it to everybody. <laughs> like it's a total <laughs> lie, man. That's kind of the cool thing, Chris, because like you relate this to like real life. Like everyone has like their own friends, but they also have like some friends that they talk certain you know they, they they deal with their lives in certain ways with one another like you're not just, you're just gonna joke around with one person and you're not going to get too personal with somebody it's kind of like the trent person and and an offhand chance that he does want to talk about your relationship yeah whatever he's probably going to be like out of his mind being like forcing you to do what he wants you to do then you have someone like the ron livingston character who is always there for you and I think that's why this movie connects with a lot of people. It's because like we all have these type of friendships in our life where, yeah, we have like three or four good friends, but we also have very specific relationships with those people where we can talk to this person and we can just rely on this person to make us feel good and be like the party guy. It, it's just very relatable. And, and not a lot of movies in the early to mid nineties were doing that. They were just focused on, script film movie entertainment bullshit days to confuse and all that sort of stuff yeah and if you think about like when you're in your young 20s you know when you know favreau's you know in his early 20s moves out to la as a comedian and you have like a big breakup from a six-year relationship it's devastating it actually like throws his world completely off so like until sue goes off on him before they meet house of pain <laughs> like really everybody understands like why he's so like neurotic and why he's so upset and just devastated by this relationship that ended and it's so funny that he's a comedian but like every time like he completely like shuts down every like interaction that's going on because like he says some stupid joke that doesn't hit but like yeah. everybody just like still sticks up for him and like yeah looking back at like Trent like he was like infuriating me in the first like 20 minutes I was just like this is how I remember him when I watched it back in the 90s. But like as the movie progresses, like you just see the loyalty that Trent has for him. He just wants he just wants him to be the big winner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be the beautiful baby. Be the beautiful big baby is a big winner, Mikey. That's you. And I'll tell you this. I've talked to a few different people this week about this film and how agonizing it is for them to watch the scene with the answering machine, which is 
Hilarious. I love an answering machine that. that breaks the fourth wall or whatever it's doing. It becomes alive. You know, it's a sentient beating all of a sudden, which is hilarious. The answering bit never gets old, but when he meets that woman too, and then calls her and keeps calling her back. And a lot of people told me that's really like, they can't watch it. It's like too real for them. So unbearable. The fact that he's so neurotic about trying to connect with this woman, but he can't let go of his love that he thinks is his love. This woman in the New York who he can't move on from people said it's really hit them too hard. It's like, well, this is not real. I have I, I have <laughs> actually done that where I had to leave like four voicemails on some girl's answering machine because like maybe I felt dumb and I was like, yeah, sorry about that. Like the dumbest part was like she still lived with like her parents. So I didn't know like her parents were getting these messages. And then I was like, really, like, this is so stupid. Like, Eric, you're an idiot. But it also <laughs> speaks to the 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 time because this is ah! 1996. Like, this isn't gonna happen. Uh, nowadays so when you talk about does it hold up like think about relationships and people in their late 20s trying to get something going on here like it's it, it the movie also serves as a great time capsule of what you had to do when you were not in high school because you had direct communication uh but but out of that and you didn't know anyone and no one really knew you so you couldn't just rely on your personality like trent or mike that mm. you had to sell yourself, okay? And I think yeah. this movie does a great justice to to singles in the mid-90s uh, as a kind of really cool kind of historical byproduct of what single life was like. And if, if you think like early 2000s when, you know, we're in our young 20s, I mean, we may have cell phones by then, but you're not sending a text. Like if this is yeah. 2020 and Mikey meets Nikki at the bar, he's sending a text out to her saying, Friending her, yeah, exactly, and then she's gonna like get his number by doing that. But he can actually like proofread what he's gonna send to her, and he can do it right. But you know, rewatching it, so he calls her six times. I actually think he he gets his number in on that first call, but he's so like neurotic all the time. He's like, oh shit, I totally blew this. I'll I'll call her back, and then it just progressively keeps. He's got no confidence. It made me uncomfortable, like the first hundred times I watched this movie. I wasn't uncomfortable when I was watching it last night, but my favorite part is on the last call and he calls and he goes, this just isn't working out. <laughs> he also has to tell Nikki like who he is. Uh, uh, Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, It's me again. Uh, just in case you didn't know, that's a great point, dearie. They, it's such a weird, weird time to be alive. And I'm grateful that we got to experience it back then, but there is yeah. also this overall aspect of dating that has changed completely but at the same time there has to be an ending where it all works out with the girl i guess so yeah hey congratulations uh, what do you know you get well, another gram it's a wonderful life <laughs> you say that mike but that's kind of the cool thing i like about swingers because you could easily Ooh. end this with like the kiss and then like it's all working out but think about the ending of this movie the ending I is shit-faced <laughs> No, the, there's many cool things. Shit faced. But okay, in terms of in terms of the central conflict and the problem slash resolution, Mike has confidence, and he he has a girl that it, it probably will work out. They don't kiss. They don't have to kiss, and there doesn't have to be any any type of this or that. It's just this okay, might yeah. work, and it's it's about moving on. 
No, yeah, that's great. All right, y'all, I'll give you that. And also, the fact that the dialogue is so fantastic with the whole part about, hey, don't be the PG guy. That is great. That was, that was just a great way to flip movies on its head. Be the rated R guy. The guy you're not sure if you like or not yet. When he goes to get that first woman's number, it's so good. I love that. That's a great fucking little bit there. Well, and just the progression of his character over the the story like he just he gets helped out by his friends so much like trent sticks up for him when sue goes in on him sue apologizes to him a couple days later uh you know when he's in his complete depression phase after he calls nikki and rob comes over rob talks about how he went through pain and he had a relationship that didn't work out and he talks about how every day it gets better and better and then you start to miss that pain i thought that was like a really great conversation between rob and mikey when mikey's starting to grow the beard and he's upset but these guys like just want the best for mikey and they they keep instilling confidence in him so by the time he goes to you know meet heather graham across the bar at the derby like he's he's been instilled with all this confidence from his friends and i think it's just so important and it shows that like just establishment of that buddy atmosphere where everyone's truly really helping each other out yeah and it might be the last call for that i, I don't know if they're saying that in this movie or not because they're in their 20s but you might not get that later on in life because people might not just have the time to care as much anymore when they're older if they have a family or they're married yada 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 but i wanted to mention we haven't mentioned this is a movie podcast so they do an homage of an homage and an homage when they have the poker table. They're sitting around talking about their favorite movie scenes of all time. And then they're talking about everybody copies everybody anyways. And then they steal the Tarantino clip from Reservoir Dogs when they walk out. And it's so funny, dude. It still makes me laugh. I love that. I love that meta humor. I'm always down with it. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> when you think about a movie that comes out in 1996 uh, about like singles and relationships, you're not expecting, and it's difficult to think about here in 2022, but think about 1996, a movie that just takes place in this grimy apartment that looks like your apartment. The lighting <laughs> sucks. There's a futon. It's not like Friends where... They've got like this yeah. luxurious pad. NHL 94 on Sega Genesis. It's awesome. <laughs> and there's like 40s in the background just like yeah. flopped over. <laughs> but I think that was a that was a lot of this. I think that that had a lot to do with it because it just it mirrored a lot of people's lives. It was grungy and dirty. And there was just like shitty lighting, a futon and like or res dogs poster on the wall. We weren't used <laughs> to seeing that in 1996. So in turn, it kind of mirrored the shit that we had going on. And especially in 1996, when it comes to romantic comedies, you had the central character and maybe one buddy that didn't agree with him that he had to like bounce off of. Here we have this tenderness between friends. We have many people that support the protagonist and want his have his best interests in mind and you just weren't used to seeing that in, in mid 90s comedies in terms of relationships especially in terms of this types of male bondness yeah yeah okay there's definitely some truth to that there's no doubt about it but there's also a meta level to this about movies and the hollywood ex existence that happens for these low-level people who struggle to get by and it's also a story about life in general about hey you're trying to hit it big and whatever your profession is, but you're struggling and people can relate to that. And having people to vent to is a huge, huge benefit so that just feels like someone understands you. 
And your parents, he talks about it. Like my parents, they just send money. They ask about the next pilot. You know, I didn't get it. <laughs> Shit like that. <laughs> yeah, we all, everybody can relate to that, Eric. Right? There's a tremendous amount of relatability to this entire movie, even though it's based in LA. It could be anything. It could be a I don't, any. It could be the restaurant business. I don't know. And somebody's want to go going to college or something. I want to do more in my life. Shit like that. So, and it, but it also doesn't harp on that too. They are trying to be. He's trying to be a comedian. And there's guys who are trying to make it as actors as well. But they don't. They don't focus too much on that in terms of like the nitty gritty of the details of it. It's like just a side plot or just kind of really a plot device to kind of help them be a cohesive unit. I think that's all. Like you truly have no idea what Trent actually does for money. Like he just tells bullshit stories to everybody. Oh yeah, I'm a movie <laughs> producer. <laughs> oh, they got the yeah the kid. They cast the wrong kid. This is but a I, part for a kid. I feel like a formulaic movie would have thrown like one of them in there as like a superstar. One of them has like a big house. But like you said, they just yeah. live in these shitty apartments playing NHL '94 and yes, getting garbage awesome. delivery stuff. Garbage that was another delivery, thing. So DoorDash. The delivery guy comes and they start suing. Uh, yeah. And Trent start mm -hmm. doing the bit when Mikey's at the door. We used to do that all the time in college. Anytime someone was going to the door, we would say the same shit. That was said by Sue and Trent all the time. <laughs> wow. See, it is relatable. I told you. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I well, I know that we would try to fuck with people no matter what. So that was just an ongoing thing that it was just a natural instinct. Didn't matter what we said. We probably said some of those crass. I mean, I would always be the biggest crass asshole possible, especially someone I didn't know that well who came to our door. That would be an ideal opportunity <laughs> to just be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have we do have two clear homo. Um, homophobic infractions here with the uh, does that make me a fag for thinking Dorothy's hot and also the uh, uh delivery guy, you know? Yeah. Come on now, well, saying movie cool. shows its age, yeah. The movie definitely, but it's you know, it's not, it's not Joe Dirt, so we can say that it's not Joe Dirt. Sure. So, this is it's a meta movie and it's about friendship and it's about pain of relationships and trying to get on from that and move forward. And it's really well acted. Everybody's natural, like you said. There's a lot of improv going on here because they all knew each other. Favreau mm. wrote the script. He was friends with these guys anyways. He brings them all together. But I think what makes this movie even better is probably Doug Lyman. I think he deserves a lot of credit for... Because yeah. this could have been like a loose burger of a dump, in a sense, if... It wasn't organized, edited, paced, and shot properly. I, I really do see it being a movie that could, I don't know, could have been like Puddle Cruiser or some like lesser than indie comedy that you know about that you kind of like, but you wouldn't like it as nearly as much because Doug Lyman puts a finish on this film that shows a competent director taking it to another level. I, I, I'm pretty confident in that. You get this cinema ver verite documentary-esque uh, style where he's just kind of pointing the camera at stuff and the, the lighting isn't that great because they had no lighting. I mean, fucking John Favreau had to open the fridge when they're talking about maybe or maybe not going to Vegas because they needed more light. Uh, it's just these, <laughs> these, these little industry tricks that give us this down and dirty personable uh, motif that works for the material because it does seem very personable to the audience. It's not Tom Cruise professing his love. It's just a guy saying, can I get your number? And she says, yeah, here's my number. And that's all there is to it. That's a mini success. And that's life. Yeah, what I really like about it is almost like they just break it off into like 10 short parts. You know, the opening scene with him and Rob, then they go to the nine-hole golf course, which I think is hilarious if you golf because they're <laughs> at 
a nine hole th par three course at the end they're adding up their strokes it's like what'd you get oh eight nine yeah. i'm like it's a par three how yeah. bad are you and then it's like they're back at you know sue's place or trent's place and they're playing nhl then they go to the dresden then they go to the hills party this place then they is go dead to the anyway, it's just man. like these sh just like short just like 15 20 minute segments of the movie i mean it's only what hour 40 minutes but it like just breezes by and you feel so comfortable in it Plays dead anyways it's, okay. filled, it's filled with people and beautiful women oh it's dead let's get the, let's let's go to a bar where some old man is, is playing some shitty yes. song and no one's there oh no dude dude come on they are come killing on, it on this those, the old couple playing staying alive is so funny that was better than a party filled with beautiful models <laughs> I, I think so. I so really do. The, yeah. the comment by Charles, played by I, I believe it's Alex, Alex uh, Desert. Desert. Yep, yep. He he says that twice in the movie where he says this place is dead anyways. I said that comment for 10, 15 years. Every Damn. place I would go to, and people are like, hey, you want to take off? And it was always a place that was doing really well or having a good time. I'm yep. like, Yeah, this place is dead anyways. And I yeah. hadn't said it in years. And then knowing we were doing swingers, I was out with some people the other night. And they're like, hey, you want to take off? And I'm like, yeah, this place is dead anyways. And nobody got it. <laughs> nobody. nobody. Well, it's over now, but hell yeah, man. I used to say that was just so easy, so natural. Such a great line to say for any situation. Hey, you hungry? Yeah, this place is dead anyways. It's just so funny. It's, it's a funny movie. It really is. Uh, well, we are really cruised along here. We've covered a lot of ground. Uh, let's get to final comments before we close it out and make our final determination about this movie, which uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think has a lot of doubt within it right now. Uh, what else about this movie? Deary, you took massive notes. Anything stood out to you that we didn't cover? Uh, I mean, let's see. We hit the... We hit the answering machine. We hit the depression phase. You know, the, the NHL make his head bleed. I mean, that was yes. said all the time when we were playing, you know, NHL hockey. You know, later on when we were playing like PlayStation hockey, that's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> when you got, you know, yep. you know, Ronick's a, a beast. Gretzky's a pansy. He's like, I took them to the cup. <laughs> like that's so good that's so good and it, you know you don't see video games in movies very often uh you know we hit the the vegas trip um just really the last part though the, the part that really confuses me is just like how long has heather graham's character lorraine and mikey like they're so good at swing dancing like, so he's like first, like very hesitant when they get out on the dance floor, they're playing that kind of like slow jam. And then it rips into the yo, daddy, yo. And he's like very hesitant. I don't know if I can do this. And then they're just like rip into it. And as the song goes, they like keep getting better and better. I feel like that would take years to be that good at swing dancing. I don't know if John Favreau, you know, had, had been doing this for years, but like, it's pretty tight the way they're dancing out there. And I, I wouldn't think that like just two random people showing up at a bar, like what if she took him out onto the dance floor and he had no idea how to do this shit. He would look like a total idiot. <laughs> yeah, you're right, dearie. That's true. It's incredible that he was able to pull it off. He had the skills that paid the bills. You know, er Eric made the point about the end of the movie where, like, he doesn't even kiss her. Like, he easily could have gone home with her that night, and he doesn't do it. And it's, mm -hmm. it, it's almost like he knew that Lorraine wasn't going to be into that because she already kind of shared her story of having a broken down relationship. And they have that commonality that tends to happen when you've broken up and had a like a really difficult relationship that ended. And when you find someone else that's gone through that same thing, that will tend to happen a lot. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool to end it like that. Like he doesn't go home with her. And then of course the next day, which I think is genius, like finally his ex-girlfriend calls, but then call waiting shows up 
and Lorraine is on the other line. He just ditches Michelle for Lorraine. I really like that ending. Bingo! It is. That is a great ending. Even Miles agreed here, saying that he loved the ending of this movie. It's pretty great. Miles, you're right about that. Miles also wants us to do Big Trouble Little China, which I, <laughs> side note, that's a total random tangent. I would love to do that movie because it's a classic, but to me, it might be obvious that it holds up. All right, uh, so it's time. Does this movie hold up or not? E. Albert Bansom, Christopher Deary, Michael Govia here. Uh, D- Eric says it doesn't hold up. And Eric, usually very verbose, is just simply saying it's just not that good. It doesn't have what it used to have. Maybe it never had it in the first place. This is a movie that just doesn't hold up. Shocking opinion there from Eric. Uh, let's go over to you. Christopher Deary, you chose this movie, so... Is it obvious that this movie ended up holding up or not? Break it yeah, down. like if I'm going to make my debut entrance into the Cinema 9 pod, I'm going to choose something that's going to be fun to talk about. And, you know, it was so exciting to throw it on last night. And I almost put it back on again today because I forgot how just like rewatchable this film is and how fun it is. And, you know, Heather Graham is amazing at the end. What I really love at the end is when they are swing dancing is the look that she's giving him. Like, this is an amazing acting and, like, facial expressions that she gives to Mikey because she never smiles during it. But she has this just, like, sexy, confident look towards him that, like, wow, like, you're really impressing me right now, which I think is just amazing. I love the buddy factor of these guys that just stick up for each other. Trent gets better and better as the movie goes on. So this movie absolutely holds up. Watching it again, now I, I realize why I loved it so much. And I, I need to start checking in on this movie again because it's it's just so easy to breeze through the film. Every single character is so much fun, and it absolutely holds up. Yeah, you're right about that, Deary. Sometimes things just make sense. And Swingers is an easy watch. It's a fun watch. It moves very quickly. It flies by. It's a short film in a sense because it just has so much quick action to it. And it's enjoyable. It's laughter. It makes me feel kind of a nostalgia, I guess, too, for a period of time in my life. Uh, a relatable connection to the friends and the group that these guys had. They're also not total, like, frat boy douchebags either. We didn't mention this. I didn't mention this. But they're not. They're, they are, like, they're more typical, regular type of dudes who make mistakes, assholes when they're drunk, sure. Uh, but they also have each other's back, and they support one another. I think it was a, a really a solid representation of a new generation of dudes who were coming about in this period of time back in the mid nineties who said, yeah, sure. We're the same dumbasses that our parents were and that uh, our kids will be, you know, when they're our age, but we also have a sensitive side. We understand we want to be there and be caring and supportive of the people that are important to us in our lives. So I think that really stands up well in this movie. There's not a lot about this movie. You're like, Oh God, that was bogus. Other than the fact we mentioned a couple homophobic remarks and then that's just a sign of the times that shit happens. And uh, going forward, it doesn't have a lot that's offensive about it, as far as I can tell. And it's it's antiquated because it has antiquated shit in it. Sure, dumb telephone stuff that no longer is relevant. But otherwise, this movie's fun. It's funny. Vince Vaughn's coming out party. John Favreau is a legendary status now in Hollywood, and this really started it all. So Yeah, I love how vulnerable these guys are with each other, and their personalities are so different. Like, Sue is this tough guy that grew up in L.A., actually, Anaheim, which 
which uh, <laughs> Mikey tells him. And like Trent's this boisterous, just bullshitter that like everybody uh, adores, but like he really has a heart of gold towards his friends. And then you got Rob's character that comes in and just kind of voice a reason with Mikey. I love how they have the, just the different personalities and they show their yeah. vulnerability, which is like. That's when you realize in your early 20s when people can be vulnerable with you and talk about, you know, relationships that are falling apart or, you know, family values that are, you know, breaking down. And that's when you become core friends. So I guarantee 25 years later, these guys are still friends that check in on each other. Yeah, that's kind of the weird thing. Like, it's such like a, a, a movie that takes place in this specific time. And I'm thinking about it today, and I'm like, man, do I even want to know what these guys are like in, like, the 2000s or the 2010s when the whole, like, cocktail lounge era ended? Like, it kind of, like, broke my heart to think about them, like, older. Like, <laughs> and it's kind of a, that's kind of a testament to this movie because, like, it just encapsulate that youth of, the, of your late 20s when you're single in – uh, the courage involved in trying to find someone. And I mean, that's, that's what the whole opening is. I mean, you're no one to somebody that loves you. And Dean Martin talks about, um, you know, how, you know, gold won't bring you happiness when you're growing old. I mean, this is just about one time in your life. It's not about being rich or famous even with some of these guys that want to be actors it's about, you know, mattering at this time when people don't know you. Uh, and, I, and I think the movie does a really good job of having a feeling. I mean, there's very few movies that you can watch and then kind of have this feeling of maybe being cool, like Ocean's Eleven or uh, like Pulp Fiction give you. And this does it, man. It puts you into a mindset. And that's a tricky thing for a medium to do. For that reason, man, come on. You know it holds up. I had some glitches earlier, but I'm back. <laughs> I, love, I love Swingers because of the vulnerability of the characters, the honesty, and just the, the fact that we got a movie where people are supporting one another. They're not bickering. And they're not being uh, and and you know an antecedent just for the sake of a screenplay. It just feels so honest and and fun and welcoming, and makes me feel good to watch it. I fucking love the movie. What do you say, man? Okay. Marty and Elaine. <laughs> Marty and Elaine. Rest in peace. All right, there it is. We got the verdict in. Does it hold up or not? 1996 Swingers. Christopher Deary has joined us. He is the co-host of the Plato Podcast and is now an official guest host of the Cinema 9 Pod. Congratulations, Deary. You did it. Thanks for coming on the show, man. You, you chose a good quality movie that had a lot of talking points to it. So I think you made the right choice. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I Obviously, like I just stated, I, I wanted to bring a film that we all adored when we were younger. I, I felt like you guys had the same adoration for it that I that I did. Uh, and I believe Travis probably feels the same way. So I, I wanted to put out a banger tonight and have good conversation. But a film that absolutely holds up, you know, 26 years later. It's amazing. It's been 26 years later. Amazing. It's great to see the path that some of these guys have gone on, you know. 
Ron Livingston is still around doing some great stuff. Favreau is one of the biggest directors of the last 15 years. Um, Vince Vaughn became a huge mega comedy star through the 2000s. So it's no surprise to me that these guys ended up being coming very successful and it's so cool to see them in their younger stages of life doing this epic film 1996's swingers wow <laughs> there it is beautiful fantastic do we have the pick for next week eric did travis give you I got the official pick okay okay I got good. The official pick next thursday we're going to go back to the uh, reg regularly scheduled routine where our co-host travis roy who is in our thoughts tonight, has selected a film from 2014. Now, it's Whoa. very rare that we dip into the 2010s on the Cinema 9 podcast, but as you know, we have a very strict policy that says, hey, as long as the movie is five years old, we can stop and think to ourselves, does this film hold up? That means a movie from goddamn 2017 is in consideration? It's unbelievable. <laughs> It was like yesterday. It <laughs> was yeah. like yesterday, man. Yeah. But we have a science fiction film that uh. actually does have a lot of people talking, especially since its release. And it's an Australian science fiction action film uh, thriller. Okay. From the writers and directors of a film called Daybreakers, which was like a vampire movie. This is Michael and Peter Spierig. And Travis is offering us up a very, very interesting movie starring Ethan Hawke, Sarah Snook, and Nora Taylor. Noah Taylor. The film is uh, Predestination, okay? If you haven't seen the film, a lot of people are talking about this. Um, this is a bizarre, this is the most bizarre pick I have ever heard on the show. Heard yeah, this is, uh, this is a bizarre one. But I'm I telling you, Ethan Hawke. People are talking about predestination from 2014. If you haven't seen it, if you have seen it, you know not. the film, guaranteed. Yeah. I have, have you seen it, it, Eric? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, I, saw it. Right. I got thoughts. So this all is, right. Well, this, shit. Yeah, this is one to talk about. This is going to have a lot of people. This could bring the boys to the table because this is interesting. Well, I've never seen it, never heard of it, and I will definitely watch it for next week's show. Predestination 2014 will be the official record for the newest movie we've ever done for our main event, Does It Hold Up or Not? Yeah, could and be. It's going to be a good one. We'll have Travis Roy back with us. We wish Travis nothing but the best right now, and we hope you all do the same. Thank you to Chris Deary. He killed it on the show. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love doing the pods with Chris. It's always a good time. For Eric Brashram, I'm Michael Govier. Cinema Night Podcast is checking out for this week. Pleasure having you aboard, as always. Beep! Beep!